Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. I'm Steve Fennessy. This is Georgia Today. On the podcast this week, we go to Hancock County, one of the smallest and poorest in the state. When residents there got wind of a granite quarry set to open near a residential area, they joined forces to fight back. Krishna Sharma is a Washington, D.C.-based science writer. He's written about Hancock County's battle against the quarry for the Bitter Southerner online magazine. He joins me now. Welcome, Krishna. Hi, it's great to be here. So in your story for the Bitter Southerner about Hancock County, you wrote about this very kind of unique coalition that formed a face-off against what they saw as a threat to the local environment. What brought you there in the first place? I came to Georgia actually to research butterflies. I was formerly an ecologist and I was getting my ecology degree at the University of Georgia. And one of the classes I took was an environmental law class. And in this class, there was a project where students could volunteer for various issues around Georgia. And one of them was this Cory issue. So I started volunteering for it and I was simultaneously transitioning from an ecologist to becoming a journalist. And I kind of immediately realized, wow, this is a story that deserves to be told. Tell us a little bit about Hancock County. Where where is it in Georgia? And I mean, who lives there? What are the demographics like? It's in central middle Georgia, and it is one of the poorest counties in the nation. It's also what CNN described as one of the blackest counties in the nation. It has around 70% African-American population. The county itself, the eastern border of it, is the Ogeechee River, which separates it from nearby Warren County. And the seat of it is Sparta. But you mentioned the Ogeechee River. Um, what are sort of the main industries of Hancock County? Hancock is a very sleepy, quiet, rural area of Georgia. What makes Hancock special is that there's a lot of historic sites that actually predate the Civil War. For example, I met a woman who was operating a grist mill that has roots of its foundation back to before the Civil War, and it still operates as it once did as a grist mill, which is pretty phenomenal. I understand from reading your story, too, that the the history of Hancock County in particular is unique. Um, and part of that has to do with the fact that such a great percentage of its residents are, are African-American. Yeah. So when I first learned about this issue, it was because a catfish farmer named Johnny Thornton was talking to my environmental law class, and he mentioned a book called Black Boss, Political Revolution in a Georgia County by John Rosier. And so because this issue piqued my interest, I immediately bought the book, and this book details the fascinating and obscure history of Hancock County, Georgia, the life of an activist named John McCown. While Hancock County used to have a lot of agricultural wealth in the 1800s, of course, like a lot of the South, that wealth uh, declined as it turned into the 20th century. And when Hancock County became a rather poor area, it also had a lot of racial tension, as a lot of the South did in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And so there was a civil rights activist named John McCown who came through and was called the Black Jesus of Middle Georgia. He had a grand vision where he wanted to bring prosperity to the predominantly Black community of Middle Georgia, specifically in Hancock County. Mr. McCown, what do you want? I'd like to see a model of a community that exists within this country where black and white can walk together 
without being fear of being intimidated. No one has ever gone out to try to create the model community that other areas could use as examples to better their own economic condition and social condition. I'd like to see here in Hancock County, here in Mayfield, uh, that type of community. He was elected county commissioner, and he basically was able to successfully get grants from a lot of foundations and some federal programs and funneled today's equivalent of millions of dollars into Hancock County for his grand ambitions. For example, one of them was a catfish farm. He also built a new hospital to be run by predominantly black people, and he had new steel and pallet mills open up in Hancock County. This was the late 60s, early 70s, and so the catfish farm itself was built right around 1970. Unfortunately, they all financially sank, including this catfish farm, which never turned a profit, even though it was called one of the most advanced catfish farms in the world by Time magazine in 1971. A lot of people in this town hate you. <laughs> uh, I imagine so. Anytime um, you go in and ask a man to change his way of life for three or four hundred years, uh, you wouldn't expect him to invite you to dinner. So uh, it's quite obvious that a lot of people would be upset over the fact that they have to deal with black people as human beings now. Quoted in that book was a local resident said, John McCown is the greatest leader and worst businessman I've ever seen. And so it wasn't long before the hospital, the pallet mill, and the catfish farm all financially sank. And the catfish farm specifically, it was defunct for decades. Hancock County itself kind of faded back into obscurity. And what became of John McCown? He had a federal investigation looming over his head. And according to this book, he allegedly drunkenly piloted his plane and crashed it into the pine trees of middle Georgia. There's actually a house right next to the catfish farm, Johnny Thornton's catfish farm, behind which he is buried, which I got to visit and photograph. You wrote about this as a journalist, ultimately, but you were there in the beginning, at least, as an advocate, right? My role was to work with the legal team, Stack and Associates and the Okichi Riverkeeper, to find objective data showing what the impacts of the quarry might be. And that goes back into why I was looking for scientific studies. What is some evidence of how this is going to impact groundwater? What is some evidence of how this is going to impact public health? When you're entering Sparta, which is the county seat of Hancock County, what's it like there? Sparta is like a time capsule. It has just this main street with what were small local businesses running all along it. You know, lots of brick buildings and hand-painted signs, but a large portion of those businesses are completely out of business now. So it's broken windows, it's faded signs, it's, it's a lot of empty buildings. And there's this giant courthouse that's kind of the central point of Sparta. Uh, and right opposite of it is a tall Confederate monument as well. So tell me a little bit more about Johnny Thornton. Johnny Thornton is the current owner of the catfish farm that John McCown had created. And he is a former DEA agent, and he actually stumbled upon the farm while hunting with a friend and basically thought that it was something that he could bring back uh, the dream for it. He, from then on, learned about John McCown. He learned that basically this catfish farm was a symbol of the aspiration to bring black prosperity to rural Georgia. And he wanted to maintain that dream. So he 
bought it in 2011. He began renovations. And so he's slowly starting to get the catfish ponds to work again. He hopes to both bring food security by providing catfish to the locals. And he also hopes that it'll bring some economic upturn for the black community and the Hancock community at large. And so Johnny Thornton, you said he came to speak to students at UGA. Was he there to talk just about catfish? He was there to talk about his resistance against a new rock quarry, which was trying to be built right next to his farm. You know, Georgia's no stranger to rock quarries, this county in particular. It already had a few quarries. This quarry was going to be right on the river, and that's common for quarries to do because a lot of times these quarries will take water from a source and often draw it out of the water table and then use it to make a high-pressure water jet. And so this can lead to damage to the aquifers. This can have ecological consequences for those that for those systems that depend on, you know, riverways and certain water tables. A lot of these rural areas, you know, they depend on well water and wells draw from groundwater. And so it will kind of concern citizens that if this quarry is sucking up all of the water table, it might dry out the wells that people rely on. The Ogeechee Riverkeeper and residents say they're not opposed to development, but the quarry will cause damage to the water system and the animals. Hancock County residents weren't having it. They organized a campaign to stop the quarry. What happened next when we come back? This is Georgia Today. I'm Steve Fennessy. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on A Fork in the Road. I'm David Zelski, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on A Fork in the Road. I'm David Zelski, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. You're listening to Georgia Today. I'm Steve Fennessy. I'm joined by Krishna Sharma, a Washington, D.C.-based science writer and photojournalist. Krishna, when we left off, you were telling us about the quarry project that's the subject of your Bitter Southerner story. So how did Hancock residents actually come to learn of the prospect of this quarry happening? This quarry company came in, purchased the land, and basically started downing trees to prepare for that site. And one of the main legal steps that the quarry has to go through is they need to get county level permission to be able to construct that quarry. And so they submitted that permit somewhere around the end of 2020. And that's, of course, public record. And so somewhere around this time period, you know, the neighbors noticed that this was happening. And it's a very small community. So it didn't take long for people to think that the county voting process that would permit this quarry was going to happen really fast and without their voices being heard. So they pretty much immediately stepped up and started protesting it. You mentioned that there were already three quarries in Hancock County. What was it about this one in particular that 
drew the alarm of residents. I think there's a few reasons for it. And one is that this property was right adjacent to a few important things to the community. One is obviously Johnny's Catfish Farm, which relies on the Ogeechee River to fill its waters for the catfish. The Ogeechee River being something that's important to the cultural sites across Hancock as well. And so the thought of something coming in and sullying that river or threatening its flow or its coloration, et cetera, uh, that worries people who appreciate and have put in their time, energy, and money into preserving historic sites that are on the Ogeechee River. The second thing is that there is a community known as the Mayfield Properties Community just within a mile of this proposed quarry site. And this community is mostly African-American. It's mostly low-income. So I think it's kind of all of these things came together. Also, the community felt that there was a lack of transparency for who exactly was coming in, what exactly they were going to do, and what concerns of the citizens they were going to address. And they decided that they needed to make their voices heard because this was not something the community was willing to accept. Was there media coverage of of this permit application? This is such a small, kind of obscure place. There's only a couple local news channels that posted brief blurbs about this happening at all. So it's pretty much happening without any media coverage. There's one petition online that's sent around that gets you know a good amount of signatures. My impression was that there were kind of two main people leading the organization of this, and one of them was Carla Mays. Uh, she was the rancher who was right across the Ogeechee River in Warren County, but who could see the proposed quarry site in Hancock County. Carla Mays has lived by the Ogeechee River for 16 years. She says the rock quarry will negatively impact her farm animals and home. Right now, all of my cows are healthy. They're fat. They're sassy. We live one with nature. She was helping to finance the resources that they needed in order to protest this quarry. She was printing off shirts and signs for them to stake in the neighborhood to raise awareness of it. And uh, they also, she also helped reach out to the Ogeechee Riverkeeper. What is the Ogeechee Riverkeeper? The Ogeechee Riverkeeper, it is a nonprofit. Its mission is to preserve the water quality of the Ogeechee River. And it is a pretty fantastic organization. And the reason that they were able to be involved in this particular situation is because the community was able to actually help finance them and they donated money so that the Ogeechee Riverkeeper could come in. They in turn hired public interest environmental law firm Stack & Associates to help with the court case. And they also helped hire with community donations experts like a geologist and an economist to do assessments, formal assessments for how this quarry would impact the economics, the ecology, the geology, and other things were it to be built. One of the things that I learned from, from your story in The Bitter Southerner Krishna is that there aren't a whole lot of scientific studies that have examined what the environmental or potential health impacts are of rock quarries through wherever they may be located. What did you find out? I thought this was fascinating. You know, I'm a scientist by training, so I'm very used to looking up scientific papers and looking for academic studies. And so while I was doing the edits for this piece, I was trying to find studies that backed up the community concerns. Granite has a lot of natural silica, and when it's mined, it can cloud up and turn into dust and drift away. Now, the reason locals were concerned about it is because the inhalation of too much silica can lead to an incurable respiratory disease called silicosis. 
Usually people who develop silicosis have been very healthy, vigorous people, and they find after years of the disease that they're short of breath, that they can't go very far, they can't walk very far, uh, they can't climb the stairs, they may even be short of breath just sitting still. I continue to see new cases of silicosis, and yet there is still no treatment. Mind you, this is usually associated with granite miners, and it is really hard to find any scientific studies that examine the public health impacts of granite quarries or also the ecological impacts and the groundwater impacts. These are real concerns. They happen around the country. You know, it's there's uh, houses in the country that have had their walls crack because of quarry blasting explosions. You know, there are people, there are granite workers who do catch this disease and they're not able to find a cure for it. And the fact that there's not much investigation into ensuring that nearby residents won't have these kinds of impacts. It's really concerning to people. Endangered species are, are an issue. Wildlife is an issue. Property devaluation is an issue. Traffic is an issue. Water is an issue. Air is an issue. We don't mind the industry. Don't bring it to us. So as we're getting closer to the date when county commissioners will say yay or nay to this application for a quarry, what did the lobbying look like by the protesters? Their movement was very, very down-to-earth, word-of-mouth. So on the morning of the vote, Carla Mays, the rancher, handed out shirts and signs, and they drove around, you know, staking these signs. For such a tiny population, it felt like a huge turnout, even though it was probably around 30 people. But, you know, it's not just people in Hancock County, but it's people on the other side of the Ogeechee River, too, in Warren County. You know, they're coming together for this. And so they're just... Outside of the courthouse, you know, waving down cars, talking to them through their windows, holding their signs up. During the hearing, a few citizens would be able to go in and testify and voice their concerns. Carla Mays was one of them, and then Johnny Thornton, the catfish farmer, was another. Damon Mullis of the Ogeechee Riverkeeper, uh, an attorney of Stack and Associates. And because of COVID restrictions, the hearing itself was streamed, but, you know, it was streamed on like a smartphone just placed on a table. so. No one could really tell half the time what was even going on in the courtroom. I kind of brought this up to one of the people outside the courthouse and they were like, hey, this is Hancock. We should be grateful that they even have a smartphone right now to stream this because it takes a certain level of infrastructure to have more than that. Well, Krishna, that brings up a good point. The overriding argument for the quarry is that it's going to provide jobs, economic opportunity for this impoverished community. So what did county commissioners have to say about that? Because that's one of their primary jobs. The politicians, the constituents, they all want jobs to come to Hancock County. But the question is, are these jobs going to actually serve the people? And so one thing that Johnny Thornton, the catfish farmer, told me was, hey, there's a quarry three times the size already located here. Go ask them how many jobs it brought. And he said they came in with contracted workers and they drove their tractors in and then they took all the wealth out of the county. Are you going to employ locals and are you going to guarantee that this money even stays local? And the actual application that the quarry company put in was very, very vague uh, about their claim that it was going to bring local jobs. This is something that the Ogeechee Riverkeeper and the rest of that kind of anti-quarry team raised as, hey, you're supposed to have, you know, a real economist come in and do an assessment and say, this is what's going to happen economically, geologically, etc. There's even just a simple kind of infrastructure concerns of if you have a quarry, you're going to have construction traffic. You know, this is a place with a lot of dirt roads. Then the addition of noise, traffic, vibration, property values, all those things come into play as well. 
contrast that to something that a lot of locals actually do want, which is historic tourism. And this is an area rich with pre-Civil War or just old historic sites, beautiful historic sites that they are proud of and that people are unfamiliar with. And so if they're able to boost this tourism industry of, hey, come look at this incredible grist mill, that's a source of revenue that's not only non-disruptive to the community, but it's something that the locals can actually moderate and be in control of, which is important. Take us back to the day of this vote. I'm outside the courthouse. You know, there's the 20 or so people with me and, and we're watching on our smartphone. So the Okichi Riverkeeper, he had a big poster and a map with him. Carla Mays raised her concerns. One of the most clearly heard things was Johnny Thornton, the catfish farmer's testimony. And I think one reason is that he has this really charismatic kind of booming, ringing voice. I'll roughly quote, he said, I was meditating on the scriptures last night. I am not the owner of the catfish farm. Well, technically I am, but God is its owner. I am not taking this farm with me when I am gone. And after that, he started talking about stewardship, as it's referred to in the Bible, and man's duty to protect nature. And this is one of the last things that the protesters heard streamed through before someone finally came out of the courthouse, gave a thumbs up, went back in, and the people learned that the county commissioners unanimously voted to deny the permission of the quarry. Were you surprised? I'm not sure because nobody was sure at that point. The morning of the vote, I was at Carla May's house, and one of the topics of conversation was how do we move forward if this doesn't work out? It could have gone either way. Are the county commissioners really going to be able to understand the nuances of what is going on here? Right? It's not a, it's not a town-level politic. It's a county-level political process. They actually all produced a 500-page legal document that was comprehensively saying uh, everything wrong with this quarry. They just produced that in a few months. I think they just made sure that their case was as bulletproof as it could be. Often we hear about these stories and invariably it seems, you know, the, the groundswell of opposition um, doesn't really result in much and the companies end up getting what they want. This was sort of a reverse of that case. Why do you think that was? It's a rare thing. You hear a lot of times that corporate interest or the political interests come out on top. I think one of the reasons that this was able to be different is because it was such a small community and it's the people just so effectively came together and they just did everything right. They didn't just go into court and just kind of start lamenting. They got legal representation. They got a riverkeeper who was going to run formal assessments and they were passionate about it. They were just very, very passionate about it and they had the people's best interests in mind. And I think that's a very powerful thing when it comes to local politics. I've been speaking with Krishna Sharma, a science journalist who wrote about one community's opposition to a proposed quarry and their ultimate victory. Krishna says the residents of Hancock County aren't done yet. They're hoping to change county laws to make the permitting process for such operations more stringent. Georgia Today is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Jess Mador is our producer. Our engineers are Jesse Neiswanger and Jake Cook. You can keep up with Georgia Today by subscribing to the show at gpb.org or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. 
Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.